This is Church of the Resurrection in Wheaton, Illinois. This week's sermon is by Pastor Matt Woodley and is part four of our Epiphany 2016 series. We're going to begin our exploration of God's Word with a pop quiz. Okay? Hope you studied for this. Hope you're prepared. This is a quiz based on corporate mission statements. So I will give you the mission statement and then you tell me the name of the company. Okay? It's pretty easy. Mission statement number one. To fulfill dreams through motorcycling. Harley Davidson. Very good. Mission statement number two. To bring inspiration and innovation to every athlete in the world. Nike. Very good. Number three. To inspire and nurture the human spirit one person, one cup, one neighborhood at a time. Starbucks. Very good. And number four, the Daily Double, okay, for 800. Um, to organize the world's information and make it universally accessible and useful. Google. Corporate mission statements. We get what they're about. I mean, because a mission statement for a company is what that company does. It's their essence. But it's not only what they do, it's also their passionate purpose. So it's, it's an objective, a purpose combined with passion. So for instance, to fulfill dreams through motorcycling. Now, we can debate whether that really fulfills dreams or not, but at least Harley Davidson believes that their product does that. There's passion behind that. So maybe they're about making money, but they also want us to believe and think that it's about a passionate purpose. Well, as you read the Bible, starting in Genesis chapter 1, reading the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, if you've ever done that, if you've ever just dipped into the Bible here and there, you get a sense that the God that's talked about in the Bible is a God who is on a mission. That God doesn't just think warm thoughts to humanity, that God doesn't just sprinkle random acts of kindness on people, but God is a God of passionate purpose and mission. I'm going to define that mission, overarching story of God's mission found throughout the Bible. I'm going to define it like this, and it's, it's not the only way to define it, maybe not even the best way to define it, but I'm going to define it this way. God's mission is to bless all the nations of the earth in and through and with Jesus Christ. God's passionate purpose is to bless all the nations on the earth in and through and with Jesus Christ. Now, that mission is so important to the whole scope of the Bible and to the mission of the church, to us as Christians, that we're going to spend two weeks on that little statement to bless all the nations of the earth in and through and with Jesus Christ. This week, my objective is pretty simple. I just want us to get an overview of what the mission is throughout the Bible, to see its beauty, to see its breathtaking scope. And then I want to leave you with one question. And that question is, will you say yes to the mission of Jesus? So that's basically all we're going to do this morning. Next week, I want to look at once you've said yes, how 
and when and where do you respond more specifically to the mission? And how are we doing that as Church of the Resurrection? So today, what is the mission? Will you say yes? <clears throat> you know, the mission of God, as you read the Bible, you wonder, where does that start in the Bible? Well, it really starts Genesis 1, chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And Genesis chapters 1 and 2, so the first two chapters of the Bible, talk about this mission of God to bless His creation, to bless all creatures, all the things that fly, all the things that creep on the ground, all the plants. God wants to bless them. And then He puts men and women in there and He wants to bless them. Male and female, He's made them in His own image. And He blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. And God gave humanity out of His mission, God gave us a mission to tend and to care for the earth. So that's Genesis chapters 1 and 2. Then you read the next chapters, Genesis 3 through chapters 11. Basically Genesis 1 and 10, God's mission. Genesis 3 through 11, everything unravels. Everything goes to chaos. People sin against God. Our relationship with God is ruptured. Our relationship with other people is ruptured. Our relationship with the earth is ruptured. Relationship between nations and nations and people group and people groups is ruptured. That's what Christians call the fall. Genesis 3 to 11. So when you get to Genesis chapter 12, if you're reading the Bible just kind of from cover to cover, you read Genesis 1 to 11, when you get to the end of chapter 11, there's just kind of this heavy thud. It's like, oh, things are falling apart. This is darkness. This is, this is bad. How is God going to pull off his mission? And that's where we get to Genesis chapter 12, your first reading. And, and I want to invite you to turn here. Actually, we're going we're gonna to walk through all the readings today, just real quickly. And you're going to see this strand of God's mission woven throughout the Bible. So Genesis 12, how is God going to fill his mission? Well, he looks down from heaven on this couple, Abraham and Sarah. They're not spectacular. They're very ordinary. They're flawed. They have baggage. They have, as we would say, issues. They're, they're not saints. They're not celebrities. God looks down and says, Ah, I will pick Abraham and Sarah, and I will bless them. And through them, I will bless all the nations of the earth. That is God's plan. And you wonder, what's so special about Abraham and Sarah? And in a way, nothing. As if to point out, if God could choose them, nobody's beyond God's choice. He could choose anybody. So what I want to do is look at how this mission given to Abraham and Sarah is woven throughout the whole Bible. Uh, but first, I just want to just drill down into Genesis 12 for a few minutes. But, so notice, Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, the word bless or blessing is used five times. whole lot of blessing going on. God really means it when he says, I want to bless you, and I want to bless the world. That's the first thing to notice. Second thing to notice is in verse 3 when it says, All the families of the earth shall be blessed through you, Abraham. Families is sometimes translated as nations. But, so what does that mean? Well, it means something very specific. It means people groups. Groups based on ethnicity and language and culture. So, for example... <clears throat> When Europeans carved up Nigeria and made it into a country known as Nigeria, 
they actually lumped together about 250 different ethnic groups. Sometimes people would call them tribal groups, but they're really more accurately ethnic groups. 250 different ethnic groups, so Igbo and Hausa and, and Yoruba and, and hundreds of others were lumped together to make Nigeria. China has 60 different distinct people groups based on ethnicity and language. So when God says you're going to bless all the families of the earth, he's talking about those specific people groups. Two of the missionaries we support through Church of the Resurrection, Brad and Maria Festin, are working to translate the Bible into the language of a particular people group in the Central African Republic called the Piemo people. They have most of the Bible done. And I was reading this week a story from a woman who had the Bible translated to her own language. She was already a Christian. She's already a follower of Jesus by this point. But she said, now I know that Jesus is really Emmanuel. God lives among us because he speaks my language. He speaks my language, my people group's language. Depends on who counts, but one estimate is that there are 11,342 different distinct people groups that call this planet their home. So, blessing, nations, and then notice two words in verse 3. It says, in you, or it could also be translated, through you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. In other words, Abraham, you're not the source of blessing, that's God, but you are the instrument through which the blessings of God will come to all the nations of the earth. Pretty astounding statement. So anybody that is in Abraham's lineage, which if you're a follower of Jesus today, you are a son or daughter of Abraham, so you have the same call upon your life, is called to be the instrument of God's blessing to all the earth. Very simple picture for this. Here's a funnel that I bought for this sermon, okay? I don't know what I'll use it for after this sermon, but, um, but maybe it's a reminder of how God works. Every Christian, you are a funnel. The big end, God's blessings come into you because God is God and He has way more blessings to give than you or I do. The little end is our blessing going out. We are a funnel. We receive the blessings and we let them flow through us to bless others, to bless all the people groups on the earth. There's no plug on the end of it. It flows freely. That's what my life is supposed to be. That's what your life is supposed to be. That's what Church of the Resurrection is supposed to be, a funnel of God's blessing. Now, I said this gets woven throughout the Bible, this whole story of blessing. So let me just zip through the Bible in like three to four minutes, okay, and show you how this gets thread throughout the entire Bible, woven throughout the Bible. So if this stage is the entire Bible from Genesis to Revelation, here's Genesis, Genesis chapter 1, God blesses. Genesis chapter 12, God chooses Abraham and Sarah, says, Abraham, through you all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And then, boom, let's go over to the right to the middle, and we get to Psalm 67 in your bulletin that we just read together. May God be merciful to us and bless us. Show us the light of the countenance and come to us. Let your ways be known upon earth and your saving health among all nations. What is the psalmist praying for? He's praying that we would fulfill the covenant given to Abraham. That through us, that blessing would come to us and go through us. Psalm 117. Praise the Lord, all you nations. Laud him, all you peoples. Let all 11,352 people groups 
Come and praise the Lord in the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Then we zip over here to the Gospel. Now we're in the New Testament. We'll go over here to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24, our Gospel reading for this morning. And Jesus says, These words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the Law of Moses and the Prophets and the Psalm must be fulfilled. In other words, this whole story... Weaving through Abraham, weaving through the prophets, weaving through the history of Israel, weaving through the Psalms is fulfilled and points to and runs through and is fulfilled in Jesus himself. And notice how it's fulfilled in particular, verse 46. Jesus says, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. Now I want to stop because that word suffer is really important, crucial to the mission of God. The word suffer didn't just mean that Jesus had a bad life. It's specifically referring to Jesus' mission to die for the sins of the world, all the people groups on the earth, to die for them on the cross. He suffered for us that our sins might be forgiven. The mission of God leads inevitably to and through the cross of Jesus Christ. Now that's really important to grasp because if we don't grasp that, if we don't grasp the work of Jesus, then we will think of mission as some kind of triumphalistic, well, we've got to convert all those bad people, and we've got to go to them, and we've got to su- convince them with our superior morality and our superior righteousness or our superior culture or whatever. We need to convince them to follow Jesus. No. It always runs through the cross, through the redemption in Jesus. That gives us a brokenness for our own sin, a brokenness to reach the nations of the earth, and a hum- profound humility and yet confidence in Jesus. So that's the Gospels. So we're running through here. And then we go way over here to the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation. So flip over your next page. You got here, okay? This is from the book of Revelation. The Apostle John is getting a vision. He's getting a vision of what the future holds, what is going to happen in heaven, what heaven's going to look like. And he says, here's, here's what I saw. After this, I looked, and behold, a great no- multitude that no one could m- number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, that's Jesus, is the Lamb of God, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. So, all these people groups are standing before the Lord. Now, that doesn't mean that every person on this planet will be saved and come to know the, the, the loving knowledge of Jesus Christ because we have free will, we can reject Christ's plan, but what it's saying is the sneak peek is that there will be people from every tribe and nation and language and tongue. So the Wa and the Han and the Dulang from China and the Hausa and the Falani from northern Nigeria and the Kamai from Cambodia and the Bujis from Indonesia people group from every tribe and nation and tongue. Now, let me just add a parenthesis, because it directly flows from this storyline of the Bible for all nations. And that is, as you get this storyline of the Bible, you see what an abnormality and what a sin and what a grievous thing is to the heart of God when his people are guilty of any racism or ethnocentrism, which means that one race is better than others, or one ethnic group is better than others. It's not like there's just a few verses here and there that we can pull out and say, oh, that's a bad thing. No, it's the whole storyline of the Bible is diametrically opposed to that. 
Now, as the church, sometimes in history and sometimes today, we get this really wrong. We're guilty of racism. We're guilty of ethnocentrism. We're guilty of tribalism. And sometimes we need to repent of our sin. And maybe during the confession time, that's something that we or you or I might need to repent of. Sometimes we get it really right. We haven't always messed up with this. But despite our failures, despite our failures in living out this grand scope of the Bible, this grand narrative, notice what God has done and what God is doing to put together this multi-ethnic celebration of all the peoples of the earth redeemed by Jesus Christ. So way over here, when John got this vision, we can imagine God poking Abraham, going, hey, remember what I promised? Remember when I said that back there? I did it. I did it. I did it through you. I did it through all my people. They were the instrument, but I was the source. I accomplished that. Now that, to me, is amazingly exciting. See, missions, when we think about missions... We think about mission, when we think about mission locally, when we think about mission globally, we tend to automatically think it's something we do. It's how hard we work. It's how much we sacrifice. It's how generously we give. And it is, because it's through us. Remember the funnel? But first and foremost, I want us to see today that in the whole scope of the Bible, missions is what God has done. And missions is what God will do through us. But it's what He does. There's an African theologian who said, this is a quote, he said, the white missionaries did not bring God to Africa. God brought the missionaries to Africa so we could know Jesus for ourselves. You see the difference? It makes all the difference in the world if you reverse that. But it's also what God is doing right now. And this is what gets really exciting. About a hundred years ago, something started happening in this, on the scene of world Christianity that nobody really saw coming. And it took probably 60, 70, 80 years for people to kind of figure out that this profound shift was occurring in world Christianity. A hundred years ago, about 90% of the Christians on this planet, 90% of the people that were following Jesus, lived in the global north, North America, Canada, Europe. Today, that's almost flip-flopped. 70% of those who follow Jesus now live in Asia and Africa and South America. This Sunday, at about 4 a.m. our time, about 20 million Nigerian Anglicans worshipped Jesus at their local church. Now that's just Anglicans. Not Baptists. It doesn't include Baptists and Roman Catholics and Pentecostals and Assembly of God. 
Something profound is going on in the global south. We get discouraged. We think God has left our nation to secularism and everybody's going secular. It's not true. It's not what's happening around the globe. Every day, the Chinese church, which after years of Marxism and atheism and oppression, has 100 million followers of Jesus now, every day... The church in China adds 16,000 new followers of Jesus. China is exploding in church growth. Nobody saw that coming. Church planting in northern India, by 2015, India will be home to 100 million believers. Father Gregory Whitaker, another one of the missionaries we support, told me a couple months ago that for the first time, the gospel was received by a people group known as the Soy people outside of Phnom Penh. Eighteen young adults were baptized. That's amazing, amazing work of God. See, the question we need to ask about missions is not, as someone has said, where does God fit into my life? The question we need to always be asking is, where does my little life fit into God's great mission to bless all the nations of the earth where does church of the resurrection fit into god's plan to bless all the nations of the earth and it begins i think with a simple yes to jesus a simple yes maybe for the first time maybe for an act of renewal maybe your heart has grown cold towards the nations It's because it's easy to do. And maybe you need to say yes to Jesus in a fresh way, to join Him on this mission. Let me just close with a little parable, what this is like. A little vision, a little dream I had this week. Not a nighttime dream, but a daytime dream. So, So imagine you're eating with a group of your really close friends, and you're eating at this really nice restaurant, and you're ordering some nice food, and since it's my dream, since it's my vision, we're all at an Irish pub, and we're ordering fish and chips, okay? So I hope you like fish and chips, because that's what we're all getting. So we've got to have some uniformity to this dream. So um, Jesus shows up as I'm just getting ready to take that first bite of that crispy, greasy piece of fish. Jesus shows up, and I go, oh, no, something's going to happen here, okay? Because Jesus just doesn't show up and just sort of like nothing happens, you know? So, and Jesus says, Matt, and I'm with like 30 of you, 30 of my favorite people from Res, which could be any of you because you're all my favorite people. So, so anyway, 30 of you, you were all there, and Jesus says, Res people, come and follow me. i got to show you something. And I say, can I take my fish and chips? And Jesus says, no, you're going to have to leave it there, okay? Because this is too important. So we all go, and Jesus takes us up on top of this huge hill. And don't ask me how I got there. That's where the parable breaks down. But, but we're looking down on this huge open field, like a 100 NFL football stadiums. Humongous. Makes the Super Bowl look like a little dot on a map, okay? And in this field, there are millions and millions of people with all kinds of colors and dresses and head wraps and outfits. There are people from, and there's children, children from all over. 
there are Burmese children and Mexican children and Peruvian children and Chinese children and Persian children and they're, they're playing soccer. And even some of the kids with one arm are hopping on one leg, they're playing soccer. And then there's feasting going on. And there's uh, Ethiopians making their injera and their coffee. And there's Rwandans making their roasted chicken. And there's uh, Koreans with their bibimbap. And there's Sudanese with their fufu. And it's a feast. It is a celebration. And there is joy. And Jesus turns to us and He says, This is my church. These are my people. And I turn to Jesus, speak up for the rest of you, asking the question that you're all thinking, are we in heaven, Jesus? And Jesus laughs. Oh, no. This is my church right now, today. These are the people that have been redeemed by my blood. These are the people that have trusted me from every tribe and nation and tongue. But I'm on a mission. I'm not done. I got more people groups to reach. I got more scripture to translate. I got more people to liberate from human slavery and trafficking. I got more churches to build. I have more disciples to make. And then Jesus turns to us, me, this group of unidentified Church of the Resurrection people, and he turns to us and he says, Will you join me? on this mission? Will you come with me? What are we going to say? Uh, I need to get back to my fish and chips. They're a little cold, but I really need to get back to my fish and chips. Or, I don't know, Jesus, I'm kind of a local person. I like local. Jesus says, yeah, I like local too. I'm all into local. I'm also into all the nations of the earth too. So we say... Well, that's for special people, elite people, missionaries. Jesus says, you're a missionary. This is the church. This is my story. This is my mission. So today, I just want to leave you with that question. What would you say? What will you say since Jesus is here, since this is his church, since he speaks through his word? What will you say? Maybe your heart has grown cold and you need to say, Jesus, I just have a cold heart. I need you to warm my heart. Maybe you will say, Jesus, I'm, I'm like scared. I don't know what that means. But yeah, I think so. Yes. And maybe your heart has already been stirred and you're, you're like all in and you say, yes, Lord. I want to go. Show me how. Show me where. Show me what that means for my life. Will you join me on my mission? Will you be a funnel to all the nations of the earth? Amen. Thanks for listening. Our vision at Church of the Resurrection is to equip everyone for transformation. As part of that vision, we love to share dynamic teaching, original music, and stories of transformation. For more of what you heard today, check out the rest of our podcast. To learn more about our ministry, visit churchres.org.